boxes in dreams when least expected. Nor is the frog with cobbler's wax on his tail far off, for there was no knowing where he wouldn't jump, and when he flew over the candle and came upon one's hand with that spotted back red on a green ground, he was horrible. The cardboard lady in a blue silk skirt, who was stood up against the candlestick to dance, and whom I see on the same branch, was milder and was beautiful, but I can't say as much for the larger cardboard man, who used to be hung against the wall and pulled by a string. There was a sinister expression in that nose of his, and when he got his legs round his neck, which he very often did, he was ghastly, and not a creature to be alone with. When did that dreadful mask first look at me? Who put it on? And why was I so frightened that the sight of it is an era in my life? It is not a hideous visage in itself. It is even meant to be droll. Why, then, were its stolid features so intolerable? Surely not because it hid the wearer's face. An apron would have done as much, and though I should have preferred even the apron away, it would not have been absolutely insupportable, like the mask. Was it the immovability of the mask? The doll's face was immovable, but I was not afraid of her. Perhaps that fixed and set change coming over a real face infused into my quickened heart some remote suggestion and dread of the universal change that is to come on every face and make it still. Nothing reconciled me to it. No drummers from whom proceeded a melancholy chirping on the turning of a handle, no regiment of soldiers with a mute band taken out of a box and fitted, one by one, upon a stiff and lazy little set of lazy tongs, no old woman made of wires and brown paper composition cutting up a pie for two small children could give me a permanent comfort for a long time. Nor was it any satisfaction to be shown the mask and see that it was made of paper, or to have it locked up and be assured that no one wore it. The mere recollection of that fixed face, the mere knowledge of its existence anywhere, was sufficient to wake me in the night, all perspiration and horror, with, "'Oh, I know it's coming! Oh, the mask!' I never wondered what the dear old donkey with the panniers, there he is, was made of then. His hide was real to the touch, I recollect. And the great black horse, with the round red spots all over him, the horse that I could even get upon, I never wondered what had brought him to that strange condition, or thought that such a horse was not commonly seen at Newmarket. The four horses of no colour next to him that went into the wagon of cheeses, and could be taken out and stabled under the piano, appear to have bits of fur tippet for their tails, and other bits for their manes, and to stand on pegs instead of legs. But it was not so when they were brought home for a Christmas present. They were all right then. Neither was their harness unceremoniously nailed into their chests, as appears to be the case now. The tinkling works of the music-cart I did find out to be made of quill-toothpicks and wire, and I always thought that little tumbler in his shirt-sleeves perpetually swarming up one side of a wooden frame and coming down head-foremost on the other rather a weak-minded person, though good-natured, but the Jacob's ladder next him made of little squares of red wood that went flapping and clattering over one another, each developing a different picture, and the whole enlivened by small bells, was a mighty marvel and a great delight. Ah, the doll's house, of which I was not proprietor, but where I visited. I don't admire the Houses of Parliament half so much as that stone-fronted mansion with real glass windows and doorsteps and a real balcony, greener than I ever see now, except at watering-places, and even they afford but a poor imitation. 
and though it did open all at once, the entire house-front, which was a blow, I admit, as cancelling the fiction of a staircase, it was but to shut it up again, and I could believe. Even open, there were three distinct rooms in it. A sitting-room, and bedroom, elegantly furnished, and best of all, a kitchen, with uncommonly soft fire-irons, a plentiful assortment of diminutive utensils, oh, the warming-pan, and a tin man-cook in profile who is always going to fry two fish. What barmecide justice have I done to the noble feasts wherein the set of wooden platters figured, each with its own peculiar delicacy, as a ham or turkey, glued tight on to it, and garnished with something green, which I recollect as moss? Could all the temperance societies of these later days, united, give me such a tea-drinking as I have had through the means of yonder little set of blue crockery, which really would hold liquid? It ran out of the small wooden cask, I recollect, and tasted of matches.'